Hey everyone, welcome to Reformed Podmatics, hosted by the pastors of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. It's Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey, and this podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Mark. And I'm Pastor Zach. And uh, we thank you for listening and joining us. Um, I've been thinking that it might be a little bit good to almost reintroduce ourselves a little bit. I'm sure <laughs> that we've had different people following over the past uh, yeah. year plus that we've been doing this now. And so um, we could do that even a little bit to start this episode. We are... Yeah. Recording this uh, podcast in in Pastor Zach's office here in Ripon, California, at Almond Valley Christian Reform Church. Um, hey, we you are said it right. Yes, uh, <laughs> we're wrong. <laughs> we are we are pastors in a mid-sized congregation in um, a farming town in Central California, and so um, it's almost uh, surely the case that. You don't know where Ripon is if you're not from the Central Valley. Even if you're from the Central Valley, like Stockton or uh, north of that, Sacramento, you still <laughs> yeah. might not know where Ripon is. But uh, we're about an hour and 20 minutes east of San Francisco, and our town is surrounded by almond orchards, hence the name Almond Valley for our church. <laughs> and so we um, we kind of started this about a year ago. I think it was last fall. Yeah. And uh, decided that since we're talking so much about theology in our office, um, that, hey, let's just record some of these conversations and uh, try to make them biblical and um, supported with Reformed theology. And um, we've been doing that, and it sounds like uh, many people are being blessed, and so I think we'll continue for a while. Is that sort of <laughs> how you would describe things as we look at them, uh, Zach? Yeah, I think so. And to explain my comment about Mark saying it right or <laughs> yeah. wrong, depending on how you say it, uh, is, is Ammon Valley, if you're in Ripon, and Almond Valley, if you're outside of Ripon. Yeah. Um, we are both uh, people from outside of the Ripon yep. boundaries, and so we say Almond, but here we know to say Ammon Valley. So any of our own church members who are listening uh, they'll understand that difference very, very well. Uh, but I think that, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, I don't know what else I could add to that. You are, Mark is the senior pastor. I am, I guess, the associate pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that fi- if switch yeah, is official. It's a matter of um, <laughs> making it official, maybe. <laughs> um, I guess the youth pastor, associate pastor, somewhere in between there. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think you nailed it. We just really enjoy talking with one another about theology and the Bible and what's going on in our church's life and in the broader Christian uh, church. And so, yeah, we thought we might as well just record these things. We don't (laughs) always speak as perfect experts on these issues, but uh, we thought it would be interesting just to share our thoughts and um, mm-hmm. and see what happens, see what conversations get stirred up and see how people may be blessed by it or may be uh, challenged to, to think differently about to, about different topics. Yeah, well, it definitely challenges us too to get into some topics that we might not naturally dig into personally. And um, some of those uh, topics have come up already and um, we're always interested to hear if people uh, 
any of our listeners have a suggestion for a topic <laughs> that we would cover, yeah. um, that would be great. Um, Definitely. I found that, uh, maybe, I don't know if you found this to be true, Zach, because you're assigned scripture text for sermons more often, but <laughs> when I am assigned a text, um, I feel like I study it a little bit differently um, um, if I pick my own scripture text or if we don't pick always pick our own topics for the podcast, there's a, a certain easiness that comes from that. We already know maybe what we're going to say before we start, but yeah. if, if any yeah. of you would like to assign us a topic to cover in the podcast, we would love for that to happen. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're already tossing around the idea of doing an episode on vaccines or on COVID. Um, I know that <laughs> wading John, into the waters. Yeah, John Piper just came out with an article, wrote an article today um, oh, really? that encourages people to be that. vaccinated. And um, oh, I thought that was very courageous of him, actually. And um, I would even be interested yeah. to record a podcast on something like that in the weeks ahead of the different <laughs> Christian perspectives, because uh, there are, there's a lot of heat um, oh, yeah. on this, and there's not a lot of light coming from the church in a lot of cases. So, yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, now we that, have to, now we're going to, I know we, we let it out. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, that, that would require a little bit more research and preparation maybe than, than hmm. other episodes. So without further ado, we should get into today's topic, which is, um, singleness and hmm. celibacy. So I'm just covering the, the topic of Christian people being unmarried, um, and, uh, trying to take a biblical look at that situation um, which we'll, we'll find require a little bit of unpacking and deconstruction of many cultural values in American evangelicalism. Hmm. And by that, I mean um, I have heard from single people who are adults that there is a strong expectation on American theologically conservative Christians to get married. And yeah. um, there could even be uh, something you know. Uh, occasionally, I I love older people and I love to sit with them and and have conversations. But occasionally, the filter sort of comes uh, off in older age, uh, hmm. and people <laughs> will say things out loud. And one of those things that might be spoken is, "I wonder if so and so will ever get married." Um, kind of an hmm. offhanded, maybe even a little bit of an insulting remark towards a single person. And um, I know that that's often the way that people experience the church who are single. Um, they are, it is communicated, unfortunately, and very sadly that, that, uh, that it's something that's wrong with them. And uh, mm-hmm. we'll find as we study scripture that that is certainly absolutely not the case. And um, we'll think about how the church could maybe do a better job ministering to people who are single. You know, to me, it's all really interesting how much there is a convergence, a strange convergence uh, between the broader American culture and the Christian culture here on this point. Both seem to say that marriage is the ultimate answer for Mm. every single person. Mm -hmm. Um, Often for Christians, this gets justified theologically. Uh, there is a lot that the Bible says about marriage, marriage, and there's a lot that the Bible says about having children and how that's a great blessing and gift. Um, and how that is a very fulfilling mm-hmm. pattern of life for for people, um, and so it often this this romanticized you could say secular understanding um, or approach towards marriage gets sort of baptized into the in the church 
such that Christians think that really good, normal, healthy human beings are the ones who get married because they are, you know, good enough human beings mm. to get married. That's Somebody normative. else, they're, yeah. yeah, they're they're the more desirable ones. That that would be some of the thinking. And so, if you don't get married, well, something may, must be wrong with you, and often something must be wrong with you spiritually. Um, and so, there can be a a creating a a bifurcation between two different classes of Christian uh, individuals. Uh, there can be those who are, are uh, fulfilled and normal and healthy, and they're the ones who go get married. And that those who, who do not get married, well, those are really uh, the, the problem children, you mm-hmm. know. Or uh, And this is especially steps, true, yeah. I, I, I think, um, if I dare say, I think it's a, this is especially the case for uh, women, Christian women in the church who do not get married. Mm. Uh, there's more of a stigma, I think, placed on them than there is on Christian men who don't get married. Um, and so what do we say? What 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 is a doctrine of marriage? And then obviously, as we were, we want to get to today, mm-hmm. uh, the flip side of, of, of that with singleness. Um, we've, we've done, we've talked about marriage a good bit on this mm-hmm. podcast, I do believe. And we've also talked about it in sermons. Um, and so we could start, you know, obviously in Genesis one and mm. two, we could look through the rest of what the scriptures have to say on marriage, but it's normative. It's true. I would, I would even use that word. It's normative, biblically speaking for human beings created male and female in God's image to unite and to f- multiply and reproduce. Um, that's the normal way that the earth will be propagated, that the, mm-hmm. the human the human species will be will continue to exist. Um, and so that's a well and good sort of thing. But when we say it's normative, that doesn't mean that it's required or to be expected of all, mm-hmm. or even that it's a, it's a vast majority. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of, of places in the Bible where singleness is held up to be quite a good thing. And we could start by saying Jesus yeah. was single. If you talk, want a perfect human being, one who was totally fulfilled um, and perfectly righteous, look to Christ. Perfectly pure, um, mm. look to Christ. Perfectly joyful, look to Christ. He is that example. And so that sh- should shatter all conceptions yep. that marriage is the preeminent pathway towards joy or f- fulfillment as a human. Uh, that need not be the case, and Christ is the, the key argument on that point Um, yeah to get really practical on that point i find um if if somebody uh, you're say you're in a conversation with somebody um i've had this happen before where um, there's a lot of emphasis on is so-and-so ever going to get married um are they ever going to settle down it would be so great if they could find someone um even just to incorporate in that conversation that simple little um, reminder that Zach just gave. Well, Jesus was single his whole mm-hmm. life. Um, to think of that first is what we need to do. Well, it would be okay if so and so never got married. That would be okay, and maybe even really good for the kingdom of God. Um, that's what the Apostle Paul says. Mm-hmm. Um, that it might even be better for the kingdom of God and better for this person. Therefore, mm-hmm. if they would remain single, um, just to there's a lot of cultural gravity around yeah. marriage and so to 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 get away from that to pulled away from that requires pretty um intentional thought and so thinking about christ um, and the apostle paul of course um the two towering figures of course jesus towering far above paul in the new testament but paul being 
the author of much of the New Testament was also a single man, and um, and so to to really value that, hmm. uh, not to say that it's the only way to live. That's um, <laughs> the Apostle Paul warns against that. He says there's going to be yeah. false teachers who come, and he says one of the ways that you can tell them is that uh, nobody gets married anymore. Hmm. Um, that's wrong as well. Marriage is a, a great calling and a great blessing, um, hmm. but at the same time. Well, Jesus was single, and so maybe I should rewire my brain a little bit and how I think about single people today. Yeah, a lot of this has to do to, I think, with our with the culture's view of singleness, which is just like the worst thing ever. You know, this is what gets baked into the arguments for for homosexuality, for mm-hmm. uh, affirmative positions on homosexuality, even in the church. It's that well, it's just horrible that somebody would be unmarried for their whole life. And so if we can prevent that uh, outcome from happening in their life, uh, then that would be, that would be ideal. And so to prevent that, we should allow for, for gay marriage. And so there's just this sense that, Oh, it's just so bad. It's a prescription for loneliness. Yeah. And so your life is just going to be horrible all the way through. And so that there's that sense that singleness is just such a lamentable sort of disease almost it's something that you don't want to get um and the 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 scriptures paint a very very different view Mm -hmm. of singleness and of the goodness of singleness the the even the beauty of singleness um and the the vocation of singleness the calling that it is Mm -hmm. from god and so yeah it's an interesting irony you know you point out that in our world uh it's seen as this sort of tragic fate. Um, while at the hmm. same time, some of those same people would slam marriage as sort of being the ball and chain, yeah. you know? And, <laughs> and so it's like, oh, you're better better live it up and, and party at your bachelor party because it's your last night of freedom, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and then there's rampant promiscuity too, sexual promiscuity in our culture as well. And so singleness in that category of people's brain is like the ultimate way to enjoy life but then at the same time (laughs) um there's this this other side of things that says and and getting married well that's the ultimate as well so it's it's a weird jekyll and hyde sort of uh scenario and the christian doesn't have to fall into those categories and and i would even say that among some single christian people there may be a desire to remain single for those worldly reasons hmm. mm-hmm. because marriage is the ball and chain. I don't want to get tied down. No one could tie me down. I'm going to yeah. I'm going to sort of do what I like to do all the time. And so there's that element in the church as well. And so there would be good reasons to be a single person and then there would also actually be sinful reasons um why somebody would denigrate marriage um even in the church, I would say. I, hmm. I don't know if I've really heard that, but um, I'm sure that it exists there in the church yeah. because it's so common in the world. Yeah, so yeah. maybe you're wondering, well, what is what does the Bible say about singleness? Uh, perhaps the most important passage to turn to would be 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, where Paul begins to give his instructions on, on this whole issue about marriage or remaining single. Um, he does say some pretty interesting things. Some things you could even say are uh, not entirely clear, clear how we should take it, but mm-hmm. I think the general gist is that he says 
singleness is actually a good thing and singleness allows you to to concern yourself with the things of of christ uh, whereas marriage can and will make you have to reckon with uh, earthly realities of having to take care of a family, having to take care of a spouse or to be responsible for a spouse or um, being res- being accountable to a spouse. And the assumption uh, in this age would have been children too because yeah. there's no birth control. Like that, The whole yeah. mentality of birth control is so modern that spouse means kids in the ancient world pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So. It would have meant that for the vast majority yeah. of people yeah but he does say and it's, these are the famous words from first corinthians 7 6 through 8 he says now as a concession not a command i say this i wish that all were as i myself am so paul is himself a single celibate christian and he's saying i wish all that were as i am but each has his own gift from god one of one kind and one of the other to the unmarried and the widows i say that it is good for them to remain single as i am but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And so here we see Paul saying the basic idea of if you cannot control yourself um, to, to get married, if you, if you struggle with, with controlling your str- yourself and you have a, a desire for, for a spouse and for children, get married if you can. Um, otherwise, stay single if you if you can and so there's benefits here and it's interesting that paul says i'd say this as a concession uh, not as a command hmm. um yeah what are your thoughts on that is am i interpreting even no. that right or is that um have i have i twisted that well it is the most pointed teaching in the bible on singleness um but i i think because of that it Sometimes people would look at a text like this and make it the only gauge for whether somebody should be single or married. Hmm. And so therefore, well, because uh, some <laughs> because some 18-year-old has just like raging hormones, um, <laughs> well, then they should get married, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, well, because there it is. The Apostle Paul says they They're can't really control themselves. They're burning with passion, so they better go for it. <laughs> and so I, that's, I don't think that's what he's saying hmm. um, here. I, I, he's saying um, singleness is good. Yeah. And uh, obviously we are born single and sort of the default uh, relational status mm-hmm. in terms of marriage, right? And so, therefore, to remain single, he's he's making a case for the goodness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he is saying that many people will have this strong desire to, um, to be married, not just for relational reasons, but for sexual reasons, too. They're sexually attracted to this other person, mm-hmm. and it would be good for them if it fits in God's within God's commands of scripture to be married. I, I think that's a little bit of what he's getting at. It, it's basically to say, don't don't just um, reject uh, the, the attraction that God has given you, young man, to another woman um, because singleness is good. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I, you really have to preface this and put the umbrella over it of, of functioning within God's biblical command, because this is a text that is often used in favor of allowing for same-sex unions, because there's this burning with passion of uh, a man towards another man. 
or a woman towards another woman. And so I, I think that obviously Paul is writing this under the context of one man and one woman married for the mm-hmm. tenure of their life together. Uh, and so I, I think he is encouraging singleness, but I, I wouldn't want to say the the best reason <laughs> to get married is you're, you're burning with passion back. and you can't control yourself. Yeah. Well, um, I, I I do think Paul is not, he's no fool. He knows yeah, that yeah. there are going to be young people who are struggling with this. Paul also calls all people mm-hmm. towards lives of purity and yeah. of avoiding sexual morality uh, like the plague and, and, and striving for purity before God. And so Paul recognizes that an 18-year-old, even though they may be burning with passion, that's how just most 18-year-olds are, um, can live a life of godliness and mm-hmm. of purity. Mm-hmm. And so he's not saying if you're an asexual person with no sexual desires at all, then you <laughs> then should you be a be celibate person. Yeah. Um, I think Paul recognizes that there are going to be lots of celibate Christians who do have sexual desires. Um, and I think history does bear that out. There have been plenty of sexual, sexually inclined human beings who have become celibate and remained mm-hmm. single. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not just people who don't have that burning passion. So I think that, that there, there, there needs to be some, yeah, reading with wisdom. And as yeah. you think about marriage, either whether you're a young person or a widow or widower, um, you can't just think, oh, well, I still have sexual desires, therefore I need to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, that may not be the case. Mm-hmm. Paul is advocating the, the goodness of of singleness. And he goes later on to say in that passage in verses 32 and 33, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about how worldly, about worldly things, how to please his wife um, or vice versa. This could be the woman and her husband as well. Uh, and so he's, he is saying here, and this can get abused as well too. Yeah. He is saying here though, that the, the single person can have a more, united vision of what they're doing with their life that their their time can be spent in more of a uh singular focus uh whereas a married person with children will have different uh, responsibilities throughout the day and that's just yep. a a reality it's a it's practical just how it is. consideration yeah. this can get misconstrued to say oh single people should spend all of their time <laughs> off if once they get off work at five o'clock they should be at the church yep. doing whatever the church is doing unpaid <laughs> and they should be just giving all their time away and so they can be sort of abused in this way almost or taken mm-hmm. advantage of uh, by the by by the church but it there is a sense in which yeah i think single people do largely have um, less restraint on mm-hmm. what their life, um, and so they may have some extra free time to to spend. Um, now I can sort of hear single friends of mine saying, "Oh, you don't yeah. know how busy I am." Uh, yeah, so but they're busy because they want to be. That's the point that Paul is making. Yeah, that's so you're as busy as you want to be when you're single. It's a fair point. Pretty much. I mean, there's some responsibilities people have. Whereas when you're married, and especially when you have kids, you aren't the determiner, really, of your schedule. That's just a a concrete reality. Yeah, and uh, you are to some extent because, um, you know, you'll lead a family and you can say no to sports and Mm -hmm. no to band and all these different things that would be distracting you. But but Mm -hmm. really, when you're single, um, this is something that I would guess encourage our single listeners to consider. You have a schedule that you 
maintain and have authority over to some extent mm-hmm. outside of putting food on your table and earning mm-hmm. a paycheck, um, which maybe if you're content with little, doesn't actually have to involve um, hmm. 80 hour work weeks. Uh, yeah. I think what often happens in practice among many single people is they they fill their time with, with all kinds of good things, but can neglect the command of scripture to say, wow, I'm single, I could do amazing ministry mm-hmm. um, because no one else rely, really relies for their daily necessities on me mm-hmm. right now. And so therefore, um, to even go and find people to care for Hmm. uh, in the family that happens naturally through childbearing uh, for most families. Of course, there are families without children, and that's okay. Um, But for the single person, I think that it will require intentional effort to follow Jesus' command of Matthew 25 Hmm. to look for the hungry person, the imprisoned person. Um, (laughs) You know, that... That is uh, kind of the family in some ways. The hungry person for my wife is my children, and then <laughs> those are the the people that she is feeding quite literally. Um, right. You know, when they get home from school and and dinner and and so forth. And so for the single person to go and have that incentive to get out and fulfill the command of Matthew twenty five will mm-hmm. be intentional. Yeah, and so there is that. Yeah, less less. Uh, Less people they have to worry about yeah. um, in their immediate context. And so hopefully this can lead to a life of, of generosity um, and how time is spent and how what your life is lived. Um, this isn't to heap up more responsibility for you, but it is to say that there this is a calling on your life. And it's exciting to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. If, if I, like, I'm glad I'm married and have children, but if... Um, if I were a single person, it would be kind of exciting. It's like having a blank check in a way written to you that you have your time. What are you going to do with your time? You could go to a food bank. You could go to the prison. You could go to the gospel mission. You could play guitar in church. It's like, man, it's exciting to think about all the things a person could do hmm. with if they have a lot of time to spend. Yeah, yeah. Um, one question we should also consider in all of this is, what does then the church offer to single people? Mm-hmm. Um, one book that has really put this question on my radar is a book by Wesley Hill called Spiritual Friendship. Um, some some people would say it's controversial, but I think some of the basic gists of it are, are quite uh, biblical and quite good. Um, one of the ideas is that the church should provide a strong sense of family for single Christian church members. Um, so we should not see single people as second-class citizens. We should not see them as less than people. Um, we, we shouldn't look down on them. Um, but we should also, we should make sure that we see them as part of our family and that we have a responsibility to them. Um, and so that, that includes welcoming them into our lives, be learning to be friends, which is the, the title of the book, of Spiritual Friendship. Um, and one, one thing that he, he makes a case for that stood out to me in that book was that um, all too often when we make big life decisions, such as moving across the country, we will consult if we're if we have a family. We will consult our spouse, mm-hmm. see what our think about what our kids would appreciate, even talk with them if they're able to talk about that sort of thing. Um, and 
that's how we'll weigh it out. Talk with our immediate relatives, you know, if we have our parents in the area or uh, in-laws in the area, we would think about how it would affect them. And if it all seems good, we'll leave, we'll move. Uh, But he talks about how we should be also thinking about how that sort of, those sort of decisions will affect our single friends who are so close to us. Mm. Um, We should consider them family uh, and not just be so transient. And so uh, we should see ourselves as being more permanently connected to our friends. Often we think of friends as a category of, well, they come and Mm. go in life. For a few years I had these friends. For a few years I had these friends. He talks about how Christians should have a long view of friendship um, as much as possible. There are going to be friends that are just for a season. Yeah. That's just a natural part of life. But as as we can, as we're able, we should try to make our friendships as permanent as possible. So he even goes so far and talk about how he has done certain services where he's made vows to friends and they've made vows to him. Um, he's an Anglican, so apparently <laughs> there's old ancient rites for that sort of thing. Wow, but interesting. Um, kind of like David and Jonathan did. Yeah, they made so that's sort of what it was yeah. built on. It was kind of, and it's kind of like the monastic community of celibate sure, sure. men uh, binding themselves to one another in fellowship. And so this idea of don't just leave your single friends behind. Um, and, I, and so I guess there's already a lot of lessons just in what I've said there. Uh, we should be really mindful of, mm-hmm. of single people, not, not because we should be, Oh, how, how, that's just you must poor so and so. Yeah, right. You know, that's just so horrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. let me take you into my family. Kind yeah. Of way. Yeah. 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 Um, but just realizing they have things that, that they can offer, and you have things that you can offer, and uh, there should be that common love and fellowship, and that should be something that people are extremely mindful of. Yeah, I think that could be based also on Mark three, where Jesus is talking about who are my mother and my brothers. Mm. And um, it's a great text and, and one that our our uh, culture definitely needs to consider because there is such an idolatry of the family that um, and, and that idolatry of the family existed in Jesus' day, certainly as well. His mother and his brothers were outside sort of demanding that Jesus stop what he's doing and um, their his relationship to them mattered more to them in that moment than um than his work than his work of redeeming the world even and so um jesus recognizes this idolatry and he calls it out right away who are my mother and my brothers he looked at those seated in the circle around him and says here are my mother and my brothers whoever does god's will is my brother and sister and mother and so i think it's perfectly fine to extend that into um uh into the church and say those are in my family who trust Christ and who do the will of God, who love the Lord. Um, the Bible frequently in the New Testament calls the church the household of faith. And so um, those who we share faith with, we actually have closer spiritual connection to than sometimes even our own family members. Hmm. Um, yeah. uh, and so I think that that does shatter the, that idolatry of the family that so often gets in the way of caring for single people. Um, in a lot of different ways. But uh, one thing also that I would add to what the church can offer to single people is to preach God's word. And so obviously that sounds like something every church should be doing anyways. <laughs> um, but and, and so you might wonder, well, what does that have to do really with this specific conversation on singleness? I would say that 
there's a concerning trend in American evangelicalism to do sermon series, entire sermon series on the family, on maybe on marriage, a four or five part sermon series on or marriage. Or parenting. Or parenting, yep. Assuming that everyone is married and a parent and has a family, uh, the nuclear family in, in the sense of a husband, wife, and children. Um, and and so is is it okay to preach on those topics? Absolutely, that's, that's fine. But um, that communicates when a whole series happens, especially if that series includes imagery of a house literally with a white picket fence and <laughs> that's what the family yeah. should live in. Um, there's a lot that the church communicates with nonverbals and um, mm-hmm. one of those things is through just simply sermon series that are selected to, to do. Yeah. Um, and so preaching the word will include that I and you, Zach, preach on marriage occasionally yeah. and that we preach on parenting. Um, very rarely, I would say, there's there's some in the Bible about parenting that's pretty specific, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not the main theme of Scripture, I would say. Obviously, salvation mm-hmm. through Christ is really what we want to get to, and there are all kinds of other ways to exercise Christian virtue in human relationships other than parenting. Um, mm-hmm. And so not only in selecting things like sermon series, but through the illustrations that, that Zach and I or your pastor uses, those illustrations communicate a norm and an assumption for, a sort of cultural assumptions for who people in this church will be. And um, I'm often yeah. discouraged by listening to pastors who talk only about themselves, about their family, about their cute kids and the silly things their their kids do. And not only to me is that problematic in terms of getting away from the word itself, but it's additionally problematic in that it's setting a culture, a cultural expectation um, for the kind of people who would want to worship here. And so I, I once worshiped regularly at a church where um, just about every sermon included two or three stories about the pastor's kids because he had little kids. And um, I can't help but think that that was very exclusionary of elderly people, especially if those elderly people never get to see their grandkids mm-hmm. or um, or of single people or of somebody who's recently had a miscarriage of all, yeah, that would be the worst, right? Um, yeah. And um, that's especially the case when the pastor talks pejoratively about his own kids. Like they're just rugrats who just... Oh man, they sapped the life out of me. This guy would always say, hmm. and I just can't help but think about like a parent who just had a miscarriage, yeah. um, and uh, the you know it's just un- it's not only unbiblical, but it's really unhelpful and inhospitable. And you're so, not saying it's wrong to talk about your kids in no, the pulpit, but to be careful with it. Yeah, I would say maybe over the last year, it. I've maybe talked about my kids uh, maybe three or four times in sermons, and and often those are things I've kind of learned that really anybody could learn from a kid. It's not because yeah. they're my kids or whatever that yeah. they're so cute or something, but um, which I do think they're cute kids because they're mine. But um, I don't think that that really, the pulpit is the place to to communicate sure. that all the time. Um, and so I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit biased in this regard, uh, but I do think that um, that the evangelical American Christian the, the hunger for getting to know the pastor through the sermon is not necessarily a bad thing, but people could approach 
the church service wanting to get to know the pastor, and when the pastor recognizes that, all of a sudden it becomes a very personal thing instead of more of a God-oriented um, event. And uh, one way that that scene is mm. the pastor, for example, like myself with the wife and children, telling all kinds of stories about my kids, and what it ends up doing is excluding people who don't just live a very different life than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Preaching, preaching creates a culture, whether we like it or not. Um, and so what kind of culture are we preaching? Um, uh, what, what is being, being communicated in the, even in the finer details of a sermon, uh, to, to people, whether implicitly or explicitly, um, that's something to, to be thinking about. It makes me think maybe maybe the uh, the Catholics were onto something with <laughs> celibate priests. <laughs> <laughs> well, that no, could I'm go the kidding. other direction too, right? I mean, then there's never uh, a connection to uh, to people who might who might have children and families, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think that we need to get hyper vigilant or pharisaical right. about. Oh, there was a story about your kids that was just so bad. No. Um, obviously Jesus used all kinds of illustrations in his teaching and preaching. Um, but if that's the, if that's the MO of the minister or even of the church to basically assume that really what people want is to hear about my life with my kids, Mm -hmm. that is going to be particularly exclusionary to single people. Yeah. That's, that's the warning, I guess. Yeah. And on the other hand, that's a whole phenomenon. When we preach the word, when we preach the gospel, when we just say what the Bible says, that is inclusive mm-hmm. in that it applies to everyone. Say no yeah. to ungodliness. You know, clothe yourselves with compassion. Mm-hmm. All of these things. It talks to widows. It yeah. talks to the elderly. It talks <laughs> exactly. to children. It talks to parents. Yeah. Um, so. so maybe that's another point in favor of more uh, expositional yeah. uh, sermons um, and working through whole books instead of just doing a series on whatever hot topic not that you can't do a series mm-hmm. um, but yeah maybe if you are doing a marriage series consider doing a whole sermon on singleness yeah absolutely um, be good i think it would kind of be wrong to not do that given, and i would say make it short too. yeah don't make it a nine-part marriage <laughs> series or something like yeah that. yeah yeah i can remember being a kid in church listening to marriage series sermons and thinking yeah right (laughs) that's interesting i'll learn it when i get there um and so it was kind of for me the reason to to just check out uh, which of course that doesn't mean that marriage sermons are wrong but but i think it's so that assumes so much um it assumes it just assumes that idolatry of the family that the marriage that's what we want when we come to church Mm -hmm. is that really good marriage Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that would be great to have. It's a good blessing, but um, you know, there's widows yeah. in church, and and they're sad, and they miss their husbands. Yeah, and um, to hear nine straight weeks about marriage, mm-hmm. um, could be good, and they could apply those lessons to the marriages of their children or friends, but that's going to be digging the knife in a little bit over yeah. time. It, like, it, it just assumes this pleasant suburban niceness to me mm-hmm. instead of some of the suffering that some people might be going through as in grief or, or they've um, been divorced, single people who want to be married. And yeah. it's just like, yeah. Oh man, I don't want to hear. <laughs> and you know, and so um, it, it assumes so much that I, I just say sticking with the word and, and saying what the word says. Yeah, it will, 
it will cover marriage and parenting, and that's great to do. Mm-hmm. But um, as- assuming it will neglect some in the yeah, church. Yeah, it just removes all partiality. Sometimes a pastor yeah, may yeah. be partial towards married people. He may he may yeah. think that those are the more important people. Um, it's often the, the thinking in, in churches that we just got to get more, you know, married yep. young families, and that's that's an important category of sure, of course, sure for the, the the life of a church, but it's by no means the most important people. There is no such thing as the most important category <laughs> of people that we want to reach. Yeah, uh, the cos- the gospel call is for all people, um, regardless of their sta- status in life. Um, regardless of their station in life. And so that's something that needs to be kept account of. And so when when preaching, yeah, you're not trying to share your life. You're trying to share God's word. You're mm-hmm. trying to keep the focus on that. And so that's, yeah, for anybody who preaches, that's a big lesson, I think, to be learned yeah. in this regard. Yeah, and so I want to f- conclude this podcast by telling you the story of my daughter's first basketball game that's going to come this <laughs> afternoon and I no, that is happening but uh, that would <laughs> um, you would cry hypocrite rightly if we do that um, but uh, these are important things whether somebody who is listening is single um, if you are single uh, there is a place for you in Amen. the church in the kingdom of God there are great amazing um uh, transformative things that the Lord would have in store for you in a church. And, Please keep um, bearing with us. Yeah, yeah, and uh, be gracious. People. Uh, be gracious to that. I, I, I've occasionally, in conversation with people in the church, um, asked if somebody is dating or um, has interest in being married. And so if you're single, don't always receive that as the assumption that you should be getting married. Sometimes it's a Hmm. legitimate conversation that somebody would have. Oh, is, is so-and-so, um, I, I thought I saw him with someone at the grocery store. Are, are they, you know, dating or yeah. something? You know, it's just something that people can talk about. Uh, yeah. And so that is, to be hypersensitive to the matter is probably not the most gracious way to live in community. But also um, to know that, that you, you do not need to get married in order to be a, a whole person. Hmm. It's just something that's very clearly taught in Scripture. And yeah. so um, if you're married, uh, to be maybe sensitive to these things and uh, to pry a little bit less and to, uh, to yeah. pray uh, for uh, the, the unity of the church, no matter what our marital status might be, is probably a good takeaway from this. Hmm. And learn to be friends, learn to be yeah. hospitable yeah. as much as possible. Uh, those are virtues that are really, really important in this whole conversation. So, yeah, we thank you guys for listening, and we will be back here again next week. Uh, so go ahead, like, share, comment, subscribe. We would love to hear from you if yep. you have any thoughts on this. And we will see you guys next week. Grace and peace. Yep. <laughs>